The funny part about the faith community that I'm part of, the refuges were really low tech. It's like this little teeny community. And I swear every time I use a microphone in some way, something breaks. Um, even here in this very expensive church that has great AV, it doesn't work properly. Um, <clears throat> there's one thing that all of humanity has in common. So everybody that was born before us, all of us here today, and all the people that are going to come after us, there's one thing that we share in common, and here's what it is. This flame represents our basic human dignity. God's image that was placed in every single one of his creation. Every little baby born, no matter where it was, imprinted with God's image inside of us. And so we all know the reality is that in Genesis 1, the very beginning that God put his image in man. He made God in his image. And then we know that Genesis 3 happened, so that's a reality that we're all living with now. We're living with the fall. But the truth is, is that for a lot of us, we think that Genesis 3 put out that flame. And that's not true. What happened with Genesis 3 is that that flame got buried in all kinds of rubble. All kinds of rubble. And so now, here we are, all these thousands and thousands of years later, living with the consequences of so much brokenness, addiction, pain, mental illness, depression, loneliness, separation from God, separation from ourselves, separation from each other, our basic human dignity buried under mounds and mounds and mounds of rubble. And that's our shared experience. That crosses everything. And I know this really well in my own life. I know what it feels like to have my dignity buried. I was not raised in a Christian home. In fact, I could really relate to what Jay shared last night in that moment where something happened magically, supernaturally, when I read the Bible. And that somehow someone had given me, I don't even know where it came from, but I have it still. It's in a box of mementos. It's this little teeny white Bible. And I cracked it open in the midst of my really messed up family with so much divorce and depression and alcoholism and all kinds of craziness. And I opened that Bible and the words of Jesus in the book of John jumped off the page and into my heart. And it felt really simple then. It felt so simple, and it felt so pure. Then what started to happen is over the years, it took quite a long time, but over the years I ended up entering into church, and things became very, very complicated. What started as a pure and simple faith began to be rules, law, all kinds of ways that what I was really feeling inside, I had to keep separate from Jesus. It's really easy to say that that's not how it is. But the truth is, is that in the systems that I was in, it really wasn't okay for me to say out loud in a safe way things about my past. Shameful things that I had done. Shameful things that had been done to me. 
and the reality of what it felt like to live underneath that much rubble. And so what I did is I just did what a lot of people do when we're Christians, is I put on a game face and did everything I could to try really hard to look good and do the right things. And the truth is, is I was empty inside, and my dignity was buried. I've been married now for 23 years to my husband, Jose. We have five children together. After we had two, I entered into this women's group in San Diego, and I began to sit with a group of women who really wasn't a Bible study. It wasn't a therapy, therapy group. It was something in between. And when I sat with them, um, the purpose of it was to get in touch with our honest relationship, what we were really thinking and feeling about God and ourselves and other people. And I began to tell my real story for the very first time, a story of a past abortion, a story of being sexually abused, a story of just what it felt like to live in my house and not have anybody to take good care of me, and a story that despite knowing Jesus, I did not feel free. I did not feel free. And what happened in that moment, I was sure when I told the truth that they would all leave me, and just the opposite happened. They said to me, we love you, we want you, and we are with you. And in that moment, that rubble started to clear away. It started to clear away. And my human dignity, that flame that was starting to get smaller and smaller, and it was buried underneath so much stuff, started to come more alive. So what ended up happening in my experiences, I began to really engage with God in a new way. I kind of came back to that simpler faith that I had at the beginning that maybe Jesus loved me just how I was, not because of what I did for him, not of the things that I said and the way that I showed up and said and did the right things, but because I was his little baby girl made in his image. And as I started to talk about my pain and my shame and the reality of God healing in my life, I started to see there were so many other people whose dignity was buried too. Sitting in churches, sitting on the streets, sitting in little apartments by themselves, our stories were all the same. Just like that human DNA of being made in God's image, the other thing that all human beings share is a desire to be loved and to love and to feel worthy and to feel valuable and to feel respected. That crosses every socioeconomic boundary. It crosses every color of our skin. It, it, it crosses every bit of education or non-education and it certainly crosses theology. Is that our shared experience is our desire to be loved and to be free and so what happened in that women's group is I began to be set free. And it reminded me, and it reminds me still of this amazing story about Jesus. And that when, in the, in the book of John, when Lazarus dies, something significant happens. Jesus goes and he calls Lazarus out. But he doesn't just, he says, come out, rise, come out. Come back to life. But then he does something really important. He tells his community, Lazarus's community, to unbind him, to unwrap him. And I would go so far as it to, to say, uncover the rubble so that life in there can come back all the way. 
And I think that that's what we're called to in Christian community, that that's what we're called to as Jesus followers, is to unbury the rubble and call out that image that's in each other. And that dignity restoration does not drop out of the sky. I wish it did. I tried. I, did, I couldn't get it that way. I know Jesus was at work, but the way that he flowed and the way that he flows is through people. People are wondering if they're worth something. They're wondering if they're worth something. So um, I, in this conference, it's really interesting um, that no one has griped about Jesus. We've only said lots of really great things about him, <laughs> but I'm going to gripe about him for just a minute. And I'm going to say that when I hear the stories about the way Jesus healed, it's a little confusing because in the stories, healing happens really fast. Like this, people are healed. And so unfortunately, we've adopted some of that into our practices, and we think that that's the way it works. Then in a snap, that rubble is cleared out, and dignity and that flame is roaring. And that just hasn't been my experience. I wish that that was true. I have seen miracles. But they look so different than instantaneous healing. In the faith community that I am part of, embedded in our DNA, is that you have dignity no matter what. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you have basic dignity. And that that dignity is not going to come out automatically. It's our responsibility in community to do what Jesus did. And that is call it out. Every time Jesus healed, he went to the places that no one else wanted to go. And he restored human dignity. And there's nothing prettier when I think about what it looks like for some bit of a flame to get relit and start to come alive. There's nothing prettier. So I want to tell you a little story about my friend Molly. I have story after story after story of seeing human dignity restored. And it always comes through a moment where you come in thinking that you're the only one that's stuck in pain and shame. And that your story is too much for God and it's too much for the people around you. And my friend Molly came to the refuge about two and a half years ago. She came through a friend that she had met a friend of mine at a food bank when she was with her husband. A couple months after meeting them at the food bank, they, they um, shot up with heroin and her husband overdosed. And so she was left a widow with the pain of being in that moment and then living when he died. She struggled with mental illness. She struggled with a host of other things. And I'm just going to tell you, she was one of the prettiest, beautiful, kind, and compassionate women that I know inside. But it was buried under all kinds of rubble, just waiting to come out. Sure that we would leave her, sure that she couldn't measure up, sure of all kinds of things. She hung in there with us. And we just journeyed along. A big piece of human dignity is not one above the other, but equal. Our shared experience is pain. And our shared experience is hope. And as Molly entered into our community, we walked with her. And I did see some of her dignity restored. It was so pretty. 
But the truth is, is that she wanted to go be with her husband. And on Easter, she showed up at our, at our Easter party. We celebrated on Saturday night, and then Sunday was the Easter party. And on Monday, she tried to take her life in the park in Boulder. And she lived. Craziest story is one of our refuge friends was the firefighter that revived her. That next week, she was in the hospital. Every day, one of my friends from the refuge went and saw her. It happened to be her birthday. We brought her birthday cake, cute clothes. She wanted a cute outfit. I got her a really cute outfit. I'm good at that. <laughs> Our friends brought their kids. They celebrated and honored her dignity. That had been stripped from so many painful things in her life. The day that she got out, some refuge friends went and picked her up. They took her to McDonald's. They had a great time. She laughed. She played with the kids. She went to the grocery store. They took her to the grocery store. It's hard when you don't have a car. It's really dignity stripping when you have to carry bags and bags of groceries for miles. But our friends had a car, and they loaded the groceries in. She spent every dime she had on food stamps to stock up the refrigerator for her roommate's house. And that night, Molly went to go join her husband and took her own life in her apartment. We were devastated to get the call the next morning. Devastated. At the same time, that week, those two years, the rubble got cleared out in some of Molly's life. And it might not look like it because it wasn't an instant healing. I'm 20 years in on clearing out the rubble on my past, and I'm better than I've ever been before. But it wasn't in a flash, and I still struggle, and I still need Jesus. Our call is to be dignity restorers. It is not going to drop out of the sky. We participate with Jesus in this work. And this crosses every, there's not certain people that are worthy of dignity restoration. There's not certain people that are less than or more than. God's image in each person fanned into flame. Last night, Bart asked, when's the last time you've been astonished by Jesus? When's the last time you've been astonished by Jesus? And I chuckled. I was sitting back there all by myself. And I chuckled. And I said, today. Today. You know why? Because I have friends that two months ago could not look up and look me in the eye or look another person in the eye. And now they can. And now they can. And the reason why is because somehow, some way, there's a safe enough place to have just a little bit of that dignity restored. So I really believe it's the work of the church. I'm a practical person. I believe in a practical theology. I believe in hands and feet put to it. It's not going to drop out of the sky. And so my hope for all of us is that we will follow who Jesus is. He was simply a dignity restorer, and he's calling us to do the same. Thank you.